Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is David Walker, and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about arguably one of the most debated topics inside of the Falcons uh, circle of discussion, and that is quarterback Matt Ryan. Uh, to talk about him, what he's done for the team, and more importantly, his future with the team, I am joined by the one and only Dave Choate, editor-in-chief at the Falcoholic. Dave... How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Here we go. Here oh, we go. <laughs> my goodness. Um, all right. You and I have talked about this amongst all the writers. Uh, I would say even at the Falcoholic, we've had some disagreements uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this past year about what the Falcons should do at quarterback. They passed up the opportunity in this past uh, draft instead taking Kyle Pitts at number four when quarterbacks like Mac Jones um, and, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Justin Fields were available at that point in time. I, I think many people saw this as a sign that, um, hey, the team is all in on Matt Ryan. And yet, here we are discussing his future with the team. He's 36 years old. Um, he is clearly uh, on the back end of his career. Uh, but let's start with the, the simple question. Um, where were you at the point in time of the draft as far as your thoughts with the quarterback position? Were you on board with they need to get a quarterback now and go ahead and start the rebuild? Or were you of the mindset that Ryan is and should be the guy for uh, at least the short term? Yeah, so I was I was team quarterback um, at the time. I was team draft one, and you know, as I, I think I, I might have said to you back then, and, and I said to Aaron Freeman as well. I, you know, I looked back at 2008 when I didn't want a quarterback. When I was like, let's get Glenn Dorsey, um, you know, and, and let's <laughs> build this team up, and then we'll get the quarterback, um, you know, a little bit down the line. And what really changed the calculus for me was, you know, Matt Ryan was absolutely not only the right pick, but obviously he is the best quarterback in franchise history. And, and expecting the next guy that you get to be Matt Ryan all over again is, is certainly a little much. But given that, you know, he's probably in and, and who knows, you know, he's kept himself in great shape. So I am going to add more bulletin board material for him. But let's say he's in the last, you know, three to four to five years of his career right now. You know, to me, especially with this team trying to dig out of their cap situation with, with the caliber uh, of the quarterback prospects that were available, guys like Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields that I liked a lot, um, I, I did want them to, to take the quarterback and, and, you know, in a year or two when they were ready to, to move on from Matt Ryan, then 
they would have somebody in the wings who had been learning from Ryan sitting, um, you know, getting Arthur Smith's offense down, ready to step in. And, and to me, that seemed like the smart long-term play. Certainly I know there was a lot of disagreement, as you said, even among the staff on that, but that's where I was. And so, you know, when they took Kyle Pitts, my, my whole thought process was, Hey, you know, this, he's, this, this guy is amazing and he has been nothing short of amazing since, but you know, this to me means now you either have to get another quarterback down the line when you might not have such a good opportunity again, because of where they were picking and the caliber of prospects available and, um, you know, and Matt Ryan has to thrive, you know, in the system, mm-hmm. really in year one to, to justify that, because you need to be able to say, this is still a guy we can build around. And so to me, and I'm going on and on here, but uh, to me, you know, the most encouraging thing that's happened is over the last couple of weeks, watching Ryan really turn it on, watching him get more comfortable in this offense, watching this offense work really well without Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage a week ago. Um that is the sign to me that, okay, I don't know what Matt Ryan's future is going to look like necessarily, but clearly in the short term, this thing can work and work really well with him at the helm. And that's, that's great to see because, you know, I, I didn't know um, back in. None April of us did. <laughs> out. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I tweeted out um, after Ryan's game against the jets uh, and the PFF scores came out, something that I noticed was that for in you know in do with you will uh, with PFF scores and a lot of people hate them but I think they're good for just a guide a, a directional guide of where a player may be um, but by their metrics he has scored a ninety or higher the past two weeks the last time that happened um, two times in the same season um, was in two thousand seventeen uh, so you you it never happened under Dirk Cutter in fact he never scored higher than the ninety at any point at all in the two years that Dirk Cutter was here between 2018 and 2019. Um, So I think it's fair to say his performance the past two weeks, I think matches up to that. I think he's, he's been, um, you know, absolutely excellent these past two weeks. And to your point, makes it look like in this Arthur Smith offense, which we all thought we talked about in the off season, that this offense really plays to Ryan's strengths as a quarterback. He's not being asked to challenge, um, you know, 40 yards downfield, you know, 15 times a game, that's, they're still going to take shots, but it's, that's not Ryan's uh, strength as a passer. It's that intermediate, um, you know, between the hashes where his accuracy, his ability to fit and fit the ball in tight windows has always been, uh, you know, one of the best aspects of his game. And it looks like that's finally coming to fruition. So um, along those lines, do you feel like Ryan right now, from a physical standpoint is still mostly the same quarterback, or do you think we're starting to see signs that perhaps the, the deep ball is, is not going to be there as much anymore? Or do you, do you think some of that is overstated and more, you know, the challenges of the learning the system and the players on the field? Yeah, I think Ryan is one of those guys he's aged. And I think I said this 10 years ago, you know, that I expected him to age well because of who he is. He's, He's a smart quarterback. He's really good on those, those timing routes. He's very good, you know, attacking the short and intermediate areas, the sidelines, the middle of the field. And, you know, he, his, he as he's gotten older, he's gotten smarter about his movement in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just, and he's very durable, very healthy. So he has aged really well, I think in almost every way, except that deep ball strength, I think, has been going a little bit and is not going to, yeah. you know, suddenly come back. And, and 
you know, you compare him and obviously he's younger, but you compare him to someone like Ben Roethlisberger, who every aspect of his game is breaking down at once. Like Rat Ryan is still in very good shape. And, and this offense, as you said, is tailored more to what he does well. And so seeing him pick it up and thrive in it this early, you know, there'll be hiccups, but I, I really think that's a positive. I think it's something that we should expect to continue going forward because of his comfort level. And I, I think that, yeah, he can't throw it, you know, 40 yards downfield consistently anymore. You know, that's, that's not something mm-hmm. that he is going to hit on those regularly or unless somebody is say wide open, you know, he's not going to hit on them at all. You know, I I think that if you watch him throw those deep balls, they hang a little bit more than they used to. Sometimes they really arrive on time and it's like, Oh, his arms just fine. And then other times clearly it's a little bit slow getting there. And I think that that's the whole thing. It doesn't just go like Matt Ryan's arm isn't going to fall off when he's throwing, you know, deep downfield, he can still do it. It's a question of can he consistently summon like the sharpest possible ball, you know, when he's got to challenge somebody downfield. And no, I I don't think that's the case anymore, but he's not going to have to if this offense is functioning the way it's supposed to. And so that to me is it's not moot. It it is a big deal. There will come times where he has to make those throws. They're not going to go exactly the way we want them to. We're going to hear about it from people who think he's cooked and you know, there will be some costly plays that that come with that, but you know, those are not high percentage throws to begin with. The fact that he's not going to have to make them all the time because he's got a weapon like Kyle Pitts because of the way that Arthur Smith is trying to tailor this passing game, I think hides that weakness a little bit. And I think as this offensive line continues to improve and, and he's not feeling so skittish, that's the only other part of his game I look at and think maybe, you know, had struggled a little bit in recent years. So right now he's, he's aged really well on everything except maybe that deep ball. And again, like that is not a fatal flaw in this offense today. And so that's, that's the positive note here is like, that's probably not coming back. It may get worse as time goes on, but if the Falcons are serious about keeping Matt Ryan for a few more years, they're not going to go, well, he can't, you know, he's not going to hit that deep ball every time we got to get rid of him because that's just not something that they're going to need to rely on if things are going well. Yeah. I think the tendency is to look at the deep ball and overvalue that with quarterbacks. Um, And ultimately it comes down to the entire body of work and whether those detriments outweigh the positives. And I would argue that right now, at least Matt Ryan is so good in, all the other aspects that it makes up for that clear shortcoming in his game. You know, he's not going to, you know, on his back foot, throw one 50 yards downfield. And that's never been his game. Um, but he may be as mentally sharp as he's ever been uh, in his ability to read defenses. Um, I know this season he has put that ball into some really tight windows um, in, in a way that gives me confidence that uh, at least in that part of the game, he's still, is playing at a very high level. And I think the past two weeks we saw that, that uh, touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst, I think was overlooked some because of, you know, Kyle Pitts finally having that game. Um, But he put that in a tight window and he's been doing that pretty consistently this year. Um, And just this, you know, for this season alone, he's got 1300, a little over 1300 yards. He's just under 70% completion percentage. Um, which is which is crazy. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions, and of course those three interceptions all happened in one game, uh, the game against the Buccaneers, uh, of course. 
So outside of the Buccaneers, he has seven touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, and I think over the past few weeks, he has eight touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, and just under 900 yards passing. So it really looks like things are beginning to click for him. And I would argue that even in 2015, um, at the beginning of the season, when Kyle Shanahan was admittedly running a very stripped down version of the offense he wanted to run, Ryan wasn't this sharp. I, I think we're seeing something different than what we saw in 2015 with this new system. Uh, and that, that gives me some hope that uh, committing to him, at least for the short term, may work. Um, and just as a reminder, because I, I feel like this comes up all the time, the the resume that Matt Ryan has put together is I think we we have a bit of a bias. Uh, all of us do. I'm biased towards Ryan. I think there are a lot of people who are biased against him. But his career is impressive, no matter how you cut it. He's currently eighth in passing yards, seventh in completed passes. Uh, he passed 5,000 just this past week, 10th in passing touchdowns, 13th in all-time passer rating, fifth in passing yards per game, and eighth in completion percentage. That is... It, in years past, that was a surefire set of statistics that would get you into the Hall of Fame, probably first ballot for a quarterback. And yet we're still sort of debating uh, whether or not he is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think some of that is, unfortunately, he has played in the same era as guys like Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, and he's... Uh, at the back end of his career, as a new era is coming up with guys like Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen. I don't know, Dave, what do you think? Do you think that those numbers are going to ultimately land him in the hall? And do you think he deserves that? Are you on that side of the equation? Or do you feel like uh, uh, the, he, it's not quite enough? He needs to do more. I think it's it's going to be an interesting test case in a lot of ways because I, you know, I, I think so. I, I think if you look at, Again, we have to go back to the Super Bowl as much as I hate to transport right. people back there. Like <laughs> he played exceptionally well in that game. Like there was one of a hundred things that were not really Matt Ryan's fault go a totally different way. He's got his ring and you, you got his ring. He plays another three or four years. He continues to put up good numbers, um, which I think he probably will, regardless of whether it's here or elsewhere. Um you know, he, he would have that surefire case for Canton, but because he doesn't have the ring and because he is not going to be the standout guy of his generation, I think it'll be interesting to see whether he makes it. I, I think Philip Rivers is kind of very much in the same boat, right? Mm -hmm. um, where these guys are both exceptional quarterbacks who, who really did everything they could to try to get their teams, you know, lifted up and, you know, when your team's success doesn't necessarily follow, I know it damages you. But I, I do think that, you know, set aside the era we're playing in, I understand that but I say we're playing in, you and I are not playing in, but the <laughs> era they're playing in, thankfully not playing in, um, you know, set aside the fact that passing numbers are obviously inflated somewhat, you know, the offenses have changed in profound ways. Ryan has still done a job that I think, especially with three or four more years under his belt, is going to look like a Hall of Fame case. And I, I think that he probably deserves to get in there. I'm just not. I, I remain unsure at the end of the day whether he will. It probably depends on how he finishes up his career. Obviously, getting that ring would be nice for all of us, um, but it would be particularly nice for his, his Canton case. So, you know, long 
winded way of saying, I think he deserves to get in. I'm just not sure if he will or not. Um, and it's, it's kind of an interesting question because there's guys in every generation, uh, Ken Anderson, for example, with the Bengals, yes. um, who was one of the best of his generation, but just flew under the radar with other guys and, and never really made it. And so that's, that's the question with Ryan. Is it just not knowing, you know, where he'll be in four or five years, who's coming up behind him, how guys like Rivers and Roethlisberger will fare in their hall cases. It's a little bit tough to say. Um, So, you know, my, my prediction would be if he continues to do this for four or five more years, which I think is a real possibility, I think probably the numbers alone will get him there, but we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed for him, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. I hope, like you said, he, he cements it by getting a ring. And I would prefer that be in Atlanta, but uh, that is part of what we're going to discuss is his future with the Falcons and whether or not we think he's going to be a part of what happens here in 2022, 2023 and beyond. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Dave Choate to talk about Matt Ryan, his status with the team, and now we're going to talk about the future. Uh, so, Dave, you know, we were talking about quarterbacks. We talked about the draft earlier. Clearly, the Falcons passed up uh, on the opportunity to grab Fields or Mac Jones. Uh, Trey Lance was clearly already off the board by the time the Falcons picked it for. Um, they decided to stick with Ryan. Now, part of that, I think, could be attributed to the fact that from a cap standpoint, um, just because of the situation that Terry Fontenot inherited from Thomas Dimitrov, the absolutely dreadful cap situation, they had to convert Matt Ryan's salary to a bonus and kick the can down the road uh, another year just to get into cap compliance. And I've said this before. I want to reemphasize this for anyone who's listening. There is no option in the NFL to not be in cap compliance. The last team that was not in full cap compliance was the Dallas Cowboys, and they were docked a first-round pick for doing so. Um, so this team, the NFL, uh, gives you virtually zero options. You have to be in compliance with the cap. Um, even if it's unfair uh, because of COVID and whatnot, it's the reality for all teams. You have to be in compliance. And they were basically in between a rock and a hard place. They converted Matt Ryan's salary. Uh, the trade of Julio Jones was largely driven, not just by his desire to get out, but also by the significant cap savings that it, that it provided. Um, and here we are. Right now, 
as it stands, Matt Ryan's cap hit for 2022 is just under $49 million. I want to restate that because it's a ridiculous number, but his cap hit for 2022 is just under $49 million. Um, If the Falcons cut him, they can reduce that hit to 40.5 million. They'd save about 8 million in cap space. Um, if they could trade him, it's going to be the same. A post June 1st cut would uh, get them about 24 million in cap space, but of course it would kick dead money uh, down the road to 2023. Um, so first of all, Dave, I, I feel like it goes without saying there is no way in hell that they're going to let Matt Ryan play with the Falcons in 2022 with a $49 million cap number. Um, that is not going to happen. That That's not tenable. Um, in the, a world of infinite possibilities, what do you think is going to happen to his contract in 2022? And what do you think that means for his future? And let me preface that by saying, we've got two scenarios on the table. Matt Ryan plays really well this year continues to play at the level he's played at for the past couple of weeks, goes into 2022 with that, or the second option, Matt Ryan's year becomes inconsistent, sort of erratic, uh, and he goes into 2022 with that. So considering those two possibilities, what in your mind are some of the options the Falcons are going to look at as they go into next year and, and are arguably how this will impact uh, 2023 and, and beyond? Yeah, so you know, let's let's take a step back and, and talk expectations here. Like, where is this team going to end up? I don't think any of us know. I, I you know, I think I said before I predicted an eight nine season ahead mm-hmm. of the year that um, I was probably less confident in that than I've been in any prediction, most of which have been very wrong over the last couple of years. So, <laughs> but like assuming that this team finishes sort of middle of the pack which is where I still expect them to end up at the end of the year. And Ryan plays pretty well, which I think is going to happen too. I'm I'm not, as long as he's healthy, I fully expect him to do well on this offense, you know, maybe better than he's been the last couple of years. I think the last couple of years, those rough numbers, um, just in terms of like yardage, completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions are probably his floor for the year, if I had to guess. So assuming that happens, The Falcons have already said emphatically, you know, this past year that they, you know, whether they were in love with Trey Lance and not Justin Fields or they just didn't want to get a quarterback, they passed on one of their better opportunities to get one more than likely. I don't love this upcoming quarterback class. I think it's, it's alarming how many of them have not looked great. Spencer Rattler looks like he could actually lose his job and he was supposed to be a top pick. So that could further weaken this class. Um, So for the Falcons, like they're going to probably end up in a spot where unless these quarterbacks free fall because just nobody likes them, there's not going to be a guy that they're going to take in the first round or otherwise and say, yeah, this year, this guy's stepping in for Matt Ryan. It might not even be 2023. They're thinking about that timeline if they even do get somebody. So considering that, I think the likeliest option is that they extend Matt Ryan. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think if Ryan continues to look good and durable and like he's a good fit in this offense, which Arthur Smith has been saying all along and keeps saying, you know, the smart play is not to try to cut him and take a massive cap hit next year. And then, because you could have done that this, this past year, right? Like if you really wanted to do the hard reset, 
you know, you could have bit the bullet. You were in an opportunity to do that. And so for them to do that next year instead, if Ryan plays well, would be bizarre to me. So I think the likeliest course of action is that he gets a new contract, one that drives his cap hit for the next couple of years way down, gives this team a chance to build on the foundation that they're hopefully building this year with their draft class, some of their lower price veteran additions that they can bring back if they like them. Um, so to me, that that's where this is probably going at the end of the day. The Falcons have, they may not have wanted to do what they did to Matt Ryan's contract. I think Jeff Schultz's report on Terry Fontenot not being a fan of doing that was probably accurate, but that does not necessarily mean that they're eager to shove Matt Ryan out the door. I think given where he's at, given how he's likely to play, given this team's desire to build a contender, you know, in the shorter term, I would expect, I, I think all of that suggests that we're going to get the extension and then, you know, they'll set it up in such a way that hopefully they can prop open a window of contention in 2022 and 2023. And then in 2024, if they get their guy, you know, in the 2023 draft or Matt Ryan does start to break down, you have that escape route um, and you can move on from them. But to me, you know, you, you said it well, like that number feels untenable. Like, do they really want to scrimp and save for a second straight year and then be able to cut Ryan outright and start from scratch? I guess that's a possibility. But I, again, I don't think Arthur Blank in particular wants this team to like muddle around and be a sub 500 team two more years, you know, at which, and it's looking likely they will be this year, kind of regardless of how well they do. So, right. yeah, it comes down to me saying, you know, how is Ryan likely to look over the next couple of years? How has his performance to this point indicated the Falcons think of him? And, and I think it's an extension. I think that's where we'll end up. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this discussion around Ryan's capabilities is the big factor here. And as you said, it, his arm isn't going to just suddenly drop off, but there will come a point where the math begins to say it's time to move on where his ability to throw with you know velocity falls off enough that it's creating a hindrance in the offense. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're close to there yet. But you know, look at you mentioned him earlier, Ben Roethlisberger. I think you know two years ago, uh, he didn't look anywhere near like this, and just in a very short time frame, has gone from a, a still very effective quality starter in the league to being maybe a detriment to the offense up in Pittsburgh. Um, and that is a, that's a big fall in a short period of time. Um, I, I tend to think Ryan has done a better job of taking care of his body um, and, and himself. I would envision Matt Ryan as being more like Tom Brady uh, in his, uh, the way he's taking care of himself versus a Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but that's still no guarantee. I mean, Tom Brady, I, I'm not going to say that Matt Ryan's going to have the longevity of Tom Brady because that is, such an outlier for the NFL. And I'm convinced that Brady sold his soul to the dark forces of evil to maintain himself for this long. So, um, but the, the other thing that sort of rings in my head, Dave is with Fontenot and Arthur Smith, they both came from situations. And I think this is really interesting. Fontenot with new Orleans, you know, he was there for many years they found success with a quarterback that they got out of free agency in Drew Brees. He was not drafted by the team. Uh, he was essentially moved on from by the Chargers when they got, uh, ironically, Phillip Rivers. Um, and they moved on from him after the shoulder injury. 
Um, and they brought him in. Of course, he turned in a Hall of Fame career. Um, and th- the Saints have drafted quarterbacks over the years in the hopes that one of the ones that they drafted will become a replacement for Drew Brees. And the only one that is still left in the building is Taysom Hill. And it seems pretty clear they don't think he is the long-term replacement. And then you look at Tennessee. Um, the quarterback that they drafted uh, most recently, Marcus Mariota, is not with the team anymore. And it was the free agent quarterback that they brought in. Again, another cast-off, uh, except in this case, Ryan Tannehill, who came in and took the starting job and became uh, the kind of starter that the Dolphins hoped he would be in his time there when he was drafted by them. Do you think that the experiences of Fontenot and Smith within the organizations that they came from has informed them a little bit in how they view the quarterback position and that maybe they see that you know drafting a guy uh, is not always the answer, um, even though it feels like that is the first thing we run to uh, in the NFL. And for good reason, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of drafted quarterbacks over the past four or five years that have turned into very, very good starters. But do you think that those two guys and their experiences in their previous organizations is informing the decisions around Matt Ryan and how they may approach the position going forward? Yeah, I, I think that it, it's an interesting thought to keep in your back pocket because we've seen, you know, that play out now in New Orleans where Jameis is, is taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it play out, as you said, in Tennessee with Tannehill. You're, you're seeing a trial run that's not going particularly well in Carolina with Sam Darnold. Right. Um, you know, there are certainly teams that, you know, in the infinite quest to get a quarterback are realizing, you know, you're going to pick in a certain strata um, or, you know, you're a bad team. You're going to maybe spin through a lot of drafted quarterbacks and ruin them before you, you ever get <laughs> anything out of them. Yeah, I'm looking at the Jets here, but right. You know, so that veteran option is something to keep in mind. You know, there are guys who this team will probably like, you know, they did scoop up Josh Rosen ultimately as a backup. He's not going to ever start for them, but, you know, as somebody who's kind of a reclamation project. So you can see that impulse playing out even a little bit with the backup situation. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's something to dismiss out of hand because in this league, you have to have a quarterback. And if, there comes a time where Matt Ryan is is not good enough for them to get the job done with, or they just want to move on from him. They may not be in a position to grab that quarterback immediately in the draft. So who's out there who you think can fit your system and thrive in a way they didn't elsewhere, or, you know, do you, you plug and play a, a Winston or a, a Teddy Bridgewater or somebody like that for a year or two? while you figure that out? The Falcons certainly, you know, with their history, just with those two guys alone, um, it's something that I don't think we can afford to dismiss out of hand. And so they're definitely going to be, you know, trading up into the top 10 and picking their next quarterback when they're ready to move on from Ryan. I, I think they will try to get this done creatively. They've shown at every stop that that's something that they are interested in trying to do. So, you know, if and when the Ryan era ends in the short term in Atlanta. Um, Certainly if they are a middle of the pack team, as I sort of expect them to be over the next couple of years, will they figure this thing out? That might be their best option. It might be, you know, it might even be somebody like Tannehill or Winston, you know, Um, (laughs) it's 
it, you know, don't rule anything out. It, it's it's kind of crazy to be thinking about that, but you know, they're they have to figure this thing out over the long haul once Ryan's gone. And whether that's five years from now and you don't really have to think about it now or whether it's much shorter term, I think teams are realizing that, you know, you strike out a lot in the draft. And it's really important that you try because if you hit that quarterback, you can be like the Falcons did. You can be all set for 15 years at the position and that's huge. But if you can't get that done, um, you know, you don't have to roll over and sign Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year until you get another shot. You can actually try to bridge that more effectively with somebody you like more. And, and so the Falcons do feel like the current brain trust is the right group to try that out. So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. I, I don't think, I don't think we can afford to rule that out. Yeah. It, it's interesting to me, the league, the past several years, we've seen a lot of good young quarterbacks come out. And I feel like it has reset expectations a little bit around the position um, because this is not the norm. It's not the norm that you see so many good young quarterbacks come out in a short time frame. It, it's usually staggered. In fact, uh, at one point in the 10 years after Matt Ryan was drafted in 2008, um, nearly 100 quarterbacks were taken in the NFL draft uh, in that time frame. And of those quarterbacks, only three had made a single Pro Bowl in that decade since Matt Ryan was drafted. That was a stunning number to me um, and shows how difficult it can be to get the quarterback position right. Um, And even still, you know, some of these young kids, um, there's a good chance some of them don't pan out. There's a, you know, of the guys taken in this past draft class, you know, the five taken in the first round, one or two of them may not pan out uh, with their teams that they're currently with. And I'm not going to say who I think, you know, that's going to be. I think some teams are much better at ruining prospects than others, as you said, with the Jets. Uh, They seem to have a fantastic track record of absolutely flaming out on quarterback picks. Um, But this is a tough position to get right. And I I feel like that's part of the reason the the Falcons are going to lean on Ryan maybe longer than some fans want, um, but with good reason. He still is a quality quarterback, still playing at a, a fairly good level. Uh, and he's certainly a quarterback I think you can win a lot of games with. Uh, and until that changes, I don't. I personally don't think they're going to be in a rush to move on. Uh, I think if the right prospect falls to them or becomes available and they've got the money and it makes sense, then they'll do it. But right now, I don't feel like they have to, to force the move, as, as you were saying. So, Dave, last question. Uh, it's a simple one. Um, who is the Falcons' starting quarterback um, in 2023, and is he currently on the roster? Yes, I think it will be Matt Ryan in 2023. I do. All right. um, and I, I was not, I'm not going to ramble as much as I have with my other answers here, but I've given this a lot of thought recently because of things like the cap issue, kind of where this team stands. And it's really impossible to be saying this five games in, but like if I feel confident as I do that they're going to ultimately give him an extension next year because he's going to play well in this offense, regardless of how the Falcons fare the rest of the way, then I fully expect him to be still helming this offense in 2023. Now, do I think that in a strong, potentially quarterback class in 2023, they might draft his successor and he'll be playing out the string like we thought he might be in 2021? Sure. I think that's a real possibility, but I think he is your starter in 2023. There you have it. Um, I think going beyond 2023 is <laughs> probably fruitless. 
because uh, the Falcons barely have anyone on contract into 2024 at this point. Uh, so God knows what that team's going to look like. Uh, all right, Dave, this was fun. I enjoyed talking about Matt Ryan uh, with you. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what we've got going on? It's a pretty obscure website, but uh, thefalcoholic.com <laughs> um, and on Twitter at thefalcoholic. And, you know, after after a long bye week, uh, which we talked about a little bit before the show, sometimes like that disruption to the routine, even though you're busy during, uh, you know, a game week is is really disruptive. Like I felt very out of sorts this past week, um, not having as much to write about. So we'll be we'll be kicking it up with our Dolphins coverage, taking a little bit of a look at like coming out of the bye. What can the Falcons fix? What do they need to do to be a better team um, over the last 12 games of the season? And, um, you know, yesterday or this morning, depending on when this goes live, we took a look at the rest of the schedule, which largely looks pretty manageable if they can uh, play well. So excited to get into the Dolphins game, especially given how bad uh, Miami's looked and you'll find all our stuff on the Falcoholic. Absolutely. As for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Editor-in-Chief Dave Choate, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit